Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Y'all been looking at these big stories through the Old Testament, and today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the story that I think everyone here is familiar with. It's the story of David and... That's right. Now, I could have said David and Bathsheba. That's another story that's coming. But uh, today we're going to look at the story of David and Goliath. And if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is very simply, The Heart the heart of a champion. Can y'all say that with me? The heart of a champion. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning, Lord, for your grace in this place. Come on, can we just lift our hands right now as a sign of surrender? Lord, we lift our hands to you. And Lord, we know that this won't be revealed ultimately through flesh and blood, but Lord, from you, Father, by your spirit to us today. And we pray in this place for an awakening. We pray, Lord, for clear minds, clean hearts. Lord, we pray for the ability today to receive what you would have to say to us, Lord. And I pray that lives would be changed. I pray that where destinies would be realized. And I pray in the name of Jesus that every giant would fall to the ground. And we declare, Jesus, you are our champion. You do for us what we can never do for ourselves. And we pray today that you would do a great work in this place. And so come on, let's lift our hands right now. We receive, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, everything that you have for us today, we lift our hands symbolically to receive that. And so we pray these things in the big, awesome, powerful name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. All right, well, let me begin today by asking you all a question. And that question is this, uh, how many of y'all got picked on in grade school, middle school or high school? Let me see your hand, raise it high. All right. Well, uh, I, I remember uh, I grew up in a, a little place called Lebanon, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. And in the third grade, especially, uh, it never failed. Almost every day I would step out on to the playground and the playground for me in the third grade became the battleground because it seemed like every day we went out for recess, it never failed. There was a group of guys stronger than me and some of them were bigger than me and I didn't do anything to them, but apparently they just loved picking on me. And I remember I'd walk out and it was like, okay, maybe today will be the day I don't get ganged up on, but man, I'd walk out and then there they were. And I'm like, okay, here we go again. And on one hand, I, I hated that time, but listen, it actually helped me to become tough. It, it helped me because uh, in that season, uh, though I was faced by all these, let's say, giants, uh, well, it, it was some, God, God was doing something in me to, to cause me to, to just, well, learn to be courageous. And, and I could have stayed inside, but, but uh, over the course of time, I'm like, okay, I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go. I wanna stay inside, but I'm, I'm gonna keep on going to the playground, which really was a battleground. And, and so courageously, I'd step out on, on the playground and never, as mentioned, never fell there. They were waiting for me. And uh, on this one occasion, I, I walked out and I guess it was about five of them. And they started taunting me, harassing me, surrounding me and uh, just picking on me and it wasn't 
too long before I was on the ground wrestling with him, had a couple of them on me and so forth. It was, it was a very terrifying time of my life. How many of y'all remember that season? Maybe it wasn't that bad for you, but uh, how many of y'all know school can be terrifying? It can be terrifying. Well, on one occasion I'm out and I'm surrounded by these dudes and, and it seemed like out of nowhere, one of my classmates came out while I'm being picked on and my classmate started uh, throwing elbows and punches and dodging punches from all the people who were picking on me. And all of a sudden, when my classmates showed up, like all these dudes started to scatter. And, and like on that occasion, at least in my perception, like my classmate saved my life. Now listen, to this day, I thank God for my girlfriend, Lakeisha McDowell. Everybody say Lakeisha. Listen, she wasn't really my girlfriend, but she would have made a great bodyguard. Because listen, listen, you say, well, it's a man's world. No, not in my third grade class. It was Lakeisha's world. Yeah, and you don't mess with Lakeisha, all right? And so Lakeisha came to my rescue. I'm still grateful uh, for her to this very day. Uh, but, but when I think about this story, it reminds me of the fact that we've all, we've all been harassed before by giants, haven't we? Some of them uh, are, are actual external giants, like in the form of people. Uh, sometimes it's in the form of other things in our lives. But the aim of a giant is to harass us and to instill fear in us. And the ultimate aim of a giant is to seek to control us. That's what giants do. And here's a big thought that I'm going to run with today. And, and I want you to write this down if you're able. Maybe take a picture here of the notes. Here's the big thought that's going to drive my message today. Someone said, we live with today what we tolerated yesterday. Let me say it again. We, we, we live with today what we tolerated yesterday. So what's in your life today is there probably because you've been tolerating it. How many of y'all know there comes that time when, when you tolerate those things no longer and you have to step up in faith and say, today is the day that this giant is coming down. And that's what we're going to see in this story today of David as he approaches and ultimately defeats Goliath. Because here's what I want you to see about this story. The story of David and Goliath is about a man who had the heart and the courage to face what nobody else would face. That's really what sets David apart from everybody in all of Israel, including Saul, the king at this time. And so as we begin this story, as most of you know, it begins in 1 Samuel chapter 16, where we are told that God sent Samuel to anoint David. And y'all know the story. Saul was a big mess. God rejected Saul as king. And so God had rejected one, but had always, how many of y'all know God always, he always has a plan. God always has a plan. And so uh, the Lord sent Samuel to anoint David, who would be the new king of Israel. And as most of you know, Samuel, he invites Jesse, David's father, and the sons to the sacrifice. And it would be there where Samuel would anoint this new king. Let's read it today. First Samuel chapter 16, beginning in verse six says, when they came, he, that is Samuel, looked on Eliab and thought, surely, everybody say surely. Surely the Lord's anointed is, anointed is before him. Verse seven, 
But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. Key words here, for the Lord sees not, everybody say not, as man sees, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on, say it with me, the heart. Verse eight, then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Now let me stop right there for just a second. Samuel is a lot like us, isn't he? That as he passed by Jesse's sons at the time of sacrifice, he considered who? Eliab, the oldest, he considered him first, assuming that he would be the one to anoint. But as we're told here, Samuel passes through and as he sees Eliab, I love the word here and it comes across in English pretty strong. It's surely this is the one. In other words, as he goes through, Samuel looks at Eliab and he considers how tall he is. And he considered his height and it was height. Okay, check. He looked at this guy's image, the way he presented himself, the way he looked. And he said, check. And I'm sure Samuel thought because Eliab was, was, was the oldest and he was also the wisest. And so in Samuel's mind, as he's looking at this, at this man, I mean, this dude, Eliab's got all the goods from external appearances. Are y'all with me? And so as he's looking, check, 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 Thankfully, the Lord steps in and the Lord corrects Samuel and essentially says, listen, Samuel, don't look. Don't look at his height or at his appearance. Don't look at that. Don't look at those external things. Because how many of y'all know it's really not about what's on the outside? See, see, we, this is really a correction for, for us today in the church today as well, because oftentimes we make judgments based on what we see from the outside. But how many of y'all know God sees things we can't see? We see the skin. We see things from this perspective, but we can't see the heart. How many of y'all are thankful God can? And here we're told, we're told that basically the Lord, he he reproved Samuel. He said, no, no, don't, don't do that. Don't look upon those things because God doesn't look at what we look at. How many of y'all know God has a different set of priorities because God looks at the what? How many of y'all have heard it said? It's all about the, it's all about the heart. It really is all about the heart because let me teach you this. In, in Hebrew, in Hebrew thought, the heart is the core of a person's being. It's the seat of our will and our emotions. It's the place where our decision making takes place. It's the place within, not a physical organ, but it's the place within that, 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 that determines the decisions that we make, the way that we see the world. It's absolutely true to say that if you know someone's heart, you actually know the person. And that's why here in this story, we're, we're told, we're told that, that the emphasis was not on the way this man looked. It wasn't on external things, but it was on the heart of David. Listen carefully. We need to hear this today. Let me say it this way. We, we look at skin, but God looks at the heart. 
And listen, it doesn't matter what color your skin is. If you are a person in this room, you are an image bearer of God, red and yellow, black and white, we used to sing. Come on, y'all, we're all precious in his sight. And and we should thank God for color. How many of y'all know God is the one who created color? That's his idea. But listen, at the end of the day, the anointing doesn't rest on color. It rests upon character. Listen to me carefully. We look at skin, but God looks at the heart. We look at height, but God looks at the at the heart. We look at the outside, but God looks at the inside. We look for charisma, but God looks for character. And God today is looking for someone in this place with some courage. That, that's, what, that's what God looks at. That's what God looks for. And what I love about David, I think we can all connect here. He had many successes. He had many failures. But at the end of the day, we know him as a man after God's own after God's own heart or after God's own choosing. Listen to what happened next. First Samuel 16, beginning in verse 11. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? Is this it? And he said, there remains yet the what? The youngest, the behold, he's, he's tied up doing what? He's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him for we will not sit down till he comes here. Verse 12, and he sent and brought him in. Now David was ruddy and he had beautiful eyes and was handsome. So we have one reference here to outward appearance. It's like the writer just got that in. And listen, if you look good and you're tall, don't apologize for it. (laughs) Come on, if you look good, give God praise for it. But just know God didn't choose you because of that. But y'all receive it? Come on, y'all are good looking. All right. He was, he was ruddy. And it says here, he was, he was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, here's your man, arise, anoint him for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And I love this. I love this. Watch this. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now watch, most people miss this. I want you to see the contrast. Boy, I love a good contrast. Eliab had height, but David had heart. Saul had a title, but David had the anointing. The spirit of the Lord, we're told, departed from Saul, but the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. Do you see the transference going on here? Saul was charismatic in some ways, but David had courage and as we know, became the true champion of Israel. The least likely. From the sheepfold. (laughs) Let me tell you something. I promise you, I'm the least likely to be up here. How many of y'all know God specializes in taking the least likely? And the last shall be first, the first shall be last. He just likes taking people from the end of the line saying, excuse me, excuse me, and putting those at the front of the line. And it's not by our goodness, obviously, it's by his grace. How many of y'all are thankful for the grace of God that he anointed you and he chose you? Here's what I want you to see. What follows in chapter 17 shows us very clearly how David was set apart from everyone else in all of Israel. 
to bring and to take this giant to the ground. The spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. He had the anointing. He had everything that he needed from the Lord. But what we're going to see in this passage that I'm about to read is it, it again, the spirit rushed upon him, but David had to make a decision And you've got to make a decision at some point in your life that you're no longer going to tolerate what you've been tolerating, that you step up and say, today is the day that this thing dies in my life. Because listen, you have the spirit. If you're a Christian, you have the spirit. The spirit has rushed upon you. You have the Holy Spirit. Come on, church. You've got the word of God. You've got a great church. You've got great leaders. But there comes a time in your life when you've got to say, okay, I've got all this, but today I... Not Pastor Eugene, not Pastor Scott. I've got to make the decision to step up and to deal with what has been dealing with me. Are y'all with me? So, so watch this. Y'all know the story. Let me read some of it. First uh, Samuel 17, beginning in verse one. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. Here's the context. And they were gathered at Sokah, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Sokah and Ezekah and if you don't know how to pronounce it, just say it with authority like you do. Ephestimim. Uh, look at this, verse 2. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered. Look, look at the picture here. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Hela and drew up in the line of battle against the Philistines. Verse 3. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side. Y'all picturing it? And Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with what? with a valley between them. Now, are y'all, are y'all picturing it? Two big armies lined up to fight one another? Well, at this time, it was customary for, for armies, instead of rushing out in hand-to-hand combat and, combat and soldiers fighting soldiers, to appoint, each side would appoint a champion, one who would represent all. Oh boy, I'm tempted to preach Jesus right there. Because how many of y'all know we have one who represents, okay, I, like, I can't do it yet. Hold on. Time out, Pat. Time out. All right. Each side appointed a champion. And in one corner, in the Philistine corner, weighing about 500 pounds. <laughs> Here's how the Bible describes the, the Philistines' champion. 1 Samuel 17, beginning in verse 4. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion name. You say it with me. Goliath of of Gath. I mean, that's a nasty name, isn't it? Like, you know, you're nasty. If you're Goliath of Gath, it just sounds rough. Whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of his coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. Now you're like, what does all that mean? That sounds bad. What does that mean? Well, if you do all the conversions, basically um, Goliath's armor weighed close to 150 pounds. Now that's like wearing Pastor Eugene on you. Is that right? 150, 160? About 170, I don't know, 140, I don't know. Hey, there's no way to win at this. I've already said it. Let me just, let me back out. It's like wearing a person on you. Are y'all tracking? Close to 150 pounds. And then the tip of dude's spear was 15 pounds. And so you're talking about a big, nasty dude. Over nine feet tall and ready to kick some tail. 
And so you've got Goliath in one corner representing, of course, being the, the, the champion of the Philistines. And he came out, the Bible says, for, for 40 days, morning and evening, that's 80 times, twice a day, this big dude, this nasty dude came out harassing, taunting, and instilling fear in the people of God. And Goliath's message was, listen, you send out your man. Listen, if I win, y'all serve us. If he wins, we'll serve you. And what's incredible about this story as it unfolds is that we have this, we have this invitation from this dude and you've got all these other people to choose from on the side of Israel. But watch this, y'all. No one would step up to fight this punk. And you got hundreds and hundreds of people to choose from. But no one would step up to fight this giant. It's astonishing to me. They were paralyzed. Everybody say paralyzed. Paralyzed with fear. Paralyzed with fear on the sidelines with the valley between with this punk calling them out. Let me take a break from the text and say this. This is a picture of many of us here today. Because we can hoop and holler and clap and agree with what I just said, and it's all true and we should, but oftentimes this is true of us as well. Many of you today are facing some giants, all, all kinds of different giants. As mentioned earlier, some giants are, they're, they're, they're internal, they're internal. You know what I'm talking about? Depression. It can be situational, but sometimes, sometimes even good, godly people get depressed for no good reason. It's true. I've been there. My wife's been there. Just people say, why are you depressed? I, I, I can't identify one reason. Come on. How many of y'all have been depressed before? And like, you couldn't trace it to something. You just woke up and then it just hit you. And I know you got to be vulnerable even to raise your hand. It's a big deal to admit that, but I, I can say I have. There, there are internal giants, anxiety, fear, lust, strongholds of sin in your mind that yes, generated by your flesh, but are nonetheless giants in your life that serve to intimidate you. And, and ultimately, whether they're internal or external giants, the aim of the giant is to keep you on the sideline. That's the, the goal of the Goliaths in your life is to, to, to cause you to be anxious and fearful and to keep you on the sidelines, not engaged, not serving God, not praying to God, not walking in the will of God. Listen to me, that's the aim of giants. And it happened to Israel, and I know that it also happens to us. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The problem, the problem is not that we have giants in our lives. Ultimately, that's not the problem. The problem is that many of us never even put up a fight. The promise is that we tolerate things in our lives that God wanted us to put to death a long time ago. And I'm not talking about people. Some of you liked what I just said. 
I'm not talking about physical violence, of course. I'm talking about giants in your mind, giants in your life, things that have intimidated you and caused fear in your mind and your heart, things that you've tolerated and you've agreed with. And that, listen, listen, this is so good. You know, you know you're in trouble when settling on the sideline becomes settling to your soul. When you've just made peace and you're just going to sit and you, you've settled and you said, I'm going to settle on the sideline because it's safe here and it's settling for my soul. Does that make sense? Boy, that's a dangerous place to be in your walk with God. When settling on the sideline becomes settling to you. And that's what we have in this story. There were those who, they just settled it, that they were going to talk about that giant but they were never going to actually face that giant. Come on, we talk about our giants. Sometimes we talk about them, don't we? At work, man, I'm facing this, man, I'm facing that. We, we post about, we post about our giants. Listen, you can post about your giants all day long. The question is, have you prayed about your giants? Have you gone to war in prayer about them? Have you asked for God's help to defeat them? Because some of you walked in today, you got so many giants in your life. You're, you're not on the sideline because you're here. In many respects, you're in the game. But God, listen, church, God has more for you. There is more for you. And some of you are not walking in what Jesus died to provide because of the fear in your heart. Here's what's amazing. Three of Jesse's sons went into battle with Saul but they wouldn't face Goliath. Watch this. David went back and forth, feeding the sheep in Bethlehem and then taking food to his brothers on the battle line. Come on, David was the first Uber. <laughs> Brother was an Uber. But Lord, you anointed me to be king and I'm an Uber. And God bless the Ubers of the world. He's running back and forth, taking, taking care of sheep on one hand, uh, bringing food to his brothers on the other. So he's got this dual responsibility going back and forth. And here's the picture of what's going on. David was just doing what God had called him to do. But in essence, he is feeding his brothers on the sideline as they stood comfortable and complacent and unwilling to lift a finger to defeat that giant. David was just doing what God called him to do through his, his father, but he was feeding them in their complacency. Let me ask you a question. Who is feeding you in your fear? Who is coddling you on the sidelines? Who's coddling you? See, the brothers, let's be honest, they didn't need David to feed them any longer. What they needed was to get fed up with this giant who was harassing them. It was time to get fed up. Some of y'all, you need to get some holy indignation in you and you need to get up and stand up and say, I am sick and tired of this giant in my life. Today, this giant dies. Listen to me. This is a picture of complacency. The brothers are just letting this all go down as the people of God. 
Listen, church, we are the people of God. Our lives will not be perfect, but we have the spirit. We are anointed by God and we are called in Jesus name to bring the giants down. And some of y'all today, you got to get fed up. You got to get fed up and get tired of tolerating those things that have dominated you. Listen, I don't need people to coddle me. I need people and you need people who will call you out to call you up to face your fears and to defeat the sin and the darkness and all the giants that have come against you. What are you going to do on the sidelines? What are you going to do sitting in seats for the rest of your life? You know, that's, that's what the devil, he's okay with that. If you could become a believer, he doesn't want you to become one, but, but here's what he's good with. Us just coming to church, which is good and just sitting and you're sitting right now. I'm glad that you are here to sit to hear this message, but God has more for us than Sunday mornings because it's easy to praise God in here. He's not interested in getting you on your feet in applause just on Sunday. He's out to raise up a people who will walk out on their feet, facing their giants Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, through the whole week, living courageously for God. That's how a city changes. That's how a whole region gets changed for the glory of God. As you, the people of God, stand up and fight what's in front of you and we sit we sit I'm gonna sit I don't sit very long when I preach we sit but there comes a time to stand and for some of us that that time it came a long time ago but today's gonna be the day perhaps that you rise to the occasion are y'all tracking does this make sense so One of the most troubling things that I see in people, Christians in particular, is when they settle on the sidelines, whatever that means for them, and that becomes settling to their souls. Watch this. How many of y'all know sometimes we need a little incentive to get moving? Watch this. First Samuel 17, beginning in verse 22. Let me speed up here. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran. I love that. He ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. Verse 23. And as he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. I love this. Say it with me. Who said it? Yeah. And David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were very much, you see, you see the contrast here? They were very afraid. Verse 25, and the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches. Everybody say money. And with his daughter, everybody say marriage. <laughs> and, and, and it says, and make his father's house free in Israel. Basically, this dude gets tax exempt status. Come on, how many of y'all signed up just for that? Verse 26, and David said to the man who stood by him, and here's the question, what, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistines? Here he comes into the conversation. What shall be done? Who does this? Who takes away the reproach from Israel? For who, I love this line, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Don't you love that? I mean, God, those are fighting words, huh? Verse 27, and the people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. So here are the incentives, David. 
Wow. The king will give riches, money, marriage, tax-exempt status for whoever brings his punk to the ground. It's pretty motivating, huh? And I'm sure, in a sense, David was motivated by these things. But at the end of the day, we know from the text that David, at the end of the day, wasn't in it for all of that. David's concern was the honor and the reputation of the God of Israel. And you know you're growing in your Christian maturity when your victories are not about you. Yes, thank God they involve you, but your victories are not about you. They're about the God, the Messiah, Jesus, who died for you to give you the victory. See, that's when you know you're growing, when you realize, yes, it involves you. You're the one that gets free, but it's not about, really, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about God and his reputation in our lives. And see, when you get that, then you can come into a place like this and you can lift up holy hands and you can praise the God who delivered you from sin, from death, from hell and the grave. And you know that he and he alone is the one who did it. And listen, your praise goes from this. Come on, the fish was about this big. To You start holding the TV. Now my praise is this. You start washing those windows. Come on, you lift your hands. Knowing that your God is the God of Israel who saved you and set you free. And you're not worried about who's around you to the left or to the right. You're looking at the one who's above and you give him the praise. Come on, Apollosius, give him the praise. Give him the praise. He's worthy. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God who saved you and set you free. Listen, it's not about your business or your name on the sign. It's about God's reputation in this community. Come on, y'all, give him praise. Give him praise, Jesus. It's all about you. We worship you today. There are many great rewards for serving God, of course. But the greatest reward is seeing him glorified in your life as you face, fight, and defeat those uncircumcised Philistines that no one else in your family was willing to face, fight, or defeat. Because as I said about an hour ago, we live with today what we tolerated yesterday. And there comes that time when you gotta be sick and tired, being sick and tired, and you get fed up with God's name being blasphemed in your family line, about your family line. And you step up and you say, this is gonna come to an end today, not because I'm good, but because God has empowered me to put this thing to death. Sin in your own life. It gets real quiet when we talk about sin, doesn't it? Put to death, therefore, whatever's earthly in you. It's not just what's handed to you. It's what's in all of us. Come on, we are Adam's family, aren't we? Born in sin, beautiful and cuddly and cute coming out of the womb, but full of all kinds of potential for sin. So Eliab, we're told, is furious with David for leaving the sheep and coming to the battle. Anyway, you know, some people, you just, you just can't please them, right? Eliab doesn't have any plans of going out and fighting. But David shows up and starts talking trash. 
And okay, I'm not going to fight and neither are you. He, he's, he's basically upset with David because he thinks David's a show off. And there is zero faith in Eliab or the others that anybody can take this giant down. Such is the world we live in. Full of pessimism and unbelief. Check it out. But David's bold words, his trash talking words reached Saul. And David said this to Saul. Are y'all with me? I'm going to get ready to get, get ready to close. Are y'all with me? Stick right here. First Samuel 17, beginning in verse 32. David said, let no man's heart fail because of him. This, this, this giant, your servant will go out and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you're, you're just a youth. And he's been a man of war from his youth. I love verse 34 beginning there. Listen, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep, used to keep sheep, used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and I struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions, say it with me, and bears, say it with me. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be, shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. <laughs> I mean, let's pray. I mean, look at the end right there. If you get that, you're good. And Saul said to David, if you say so, think about this, y'all. Gosh, I could preach this till five o'clock today. I'm not going to, but watch this. Goliath preached fear for 40 days and no one said a word. But this time something was different. What was different? Somebody new heard this message of fear and heard it in a completely different way than everybody else. <laughs> this time what was different was that someone with courage heard the message and responded to it. You see, fear caused everyone else to run from Goliath. But faith in David's heart caused him to run to him. You see the difference? And Saul is a mess. Saul needs like freedom, RTF, like perpetual like help. Saul did bless, everybody say bless his heart. Bless his heart. He tries to do his own part to, to now get in the game to, to help, assist. He put his armor on David, but David said, let me paraphrase. Mm -mm. This hasn't been tested. A little bit too big. And, and, and I'm convinced that David knew he didn't need it. Isn't it funny when people try to put things on you? Isn't it funny when people try to give you advice that did them no good. <laughs> you love everybody, but how many of y'all know you got to choose your friends wisely? Don't put that on me. It doesn't work for you. What are you trying to put on me for? Instead, we're told David took his staff and chose, y'all know the story. How many stones? 
five smooth stones from the brook, put them in his pouch, which at first read, at first glance, doesn't sound very intimidating, does it? Well, what we see here is that David, I love this. Here's what I've written. David had a pouch full of stones and he had a heart full of courage and that's all he needed to bring this giant to the ground. 1 Samuel 17, verse 41, beginning there. And the Philistines moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with what? With sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. I mean, this dude's mad. Verse 44, the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord, Yahweh of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Punk. He didn't say that. You know, he wanted to. Whatever that was in Hebrew. Verse 46. The day, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. <laughs> right? And I will give, listen to the language here, and I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may, here it is. So all y'all may know that the Lord saves not with, at the end of the day, external things. But let me paraphrase, primarily because of someone who stood up with a heart of courage, who had the faith and the audacity to face what nobody else would face. Of course, with the name of the Lord, his God, and the anointing of God, and with not five stones, but with one stone. that the Lord saves not with sword and spear for, listen, and I hope you get this. For the battle is the Lord's. Yes, you fight. I've talked about that. We do fight. Ephesians 6, we do fight. But ultimately, how many of you are thankful that the battle belongs not to us, but to the Lord? And he will give you into our hand. And let's conclude with this. David could not wait to fight this foul-mouthed giant. He said, let no man's heart fail him. Let me translate. I'm going to knock you out. Mama said, knock you out. Am I preaching now? Come on, LL Cool Jack. I'm going to knock you down. I'm going to take you out. First Samuel 17, verse 48. David ran quickly to the battle to meet the Philistine. And David put his, his hand in his bag and took out a, a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. 
Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines, verse 51 says, when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. (laughs) Hey, that's pretty smart, huh? But you think about this. I mean, what, what a victory. What an incredible victory in how, how shocking this must have been for the Philistines and for the people of God. Because in many ways, of course, from external appearances, everybody say external. From the outside, it seemed as though Goliath was destined to win. Oh, and isn't that a picture of the way we operate? From external appearances... There ain't no way. My dad dealt with this. His dad dealt with this. This has been going on. How many of y'all know we oftentimes overestimate our giants and we underestimate our God? Because see, as scholars point out, Goliath from the very beginning was destined to lose. Why is that? Well, we're guessing here, putting all the pieces together. But scholars have pointed out that, that Goliath probably had a tumor on or near his pituitary gland, which caused an excessive release of hormone through his body over the course of time, which on one hand was a virtue because, well, Goliath went from an infant to becoming a giant in a short period of time. So if you're vertically challenged, on one hand, you get this tumor problem, then you grow up and you're like, all right, this, one, this, is, this is the Lord. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm now a giant. So on one hand, this is a virtue. If this is correct, this tumor causes this release of hormones. Here, here's Goliath as this giant. Everybody say virtue. Like that's a strength, obviously. And everybody was scared of this guy. But on the other hand, scholars say that that same tumor with this same condition also gave Goliath a problem with his eyesight that he couldn't see very well. And even in the story, we're told that Goliath sees David and says, you come at me with sticks. How many of y'all know David didn't have any sticks in his hand. He didn't have any sticks. Listen, listen, church, Goliath wasn't seeing things clearly. And the only way that he would ever defeat David or anyone else would be in close hand-to-hand combat. But how many of y'all know? David was smart enough to know not to get up in this guy's business. David stood from a distance and took one stone and slung that stone. He went aerial and he hit that sucker right in the forehead and brought him down to the ground. (laughs) And here we see David become the champion of Israel, facing what nobody else would face, doing what no one else would do. And I hope you see this. Of all the Israelites and of all the Philistines, David had the greatest courage and the clearest vision to see things as they really were. He knew who he was, he knew who his God was, And he knew that the giant in front of him was going to come to the ground. Hallelujah. 
praise God. I, I pray that he'll raise up a people who can see things clearly for what they are to see ourselves clearly for who we are, to see, I want you to see your God clearly for who he is. But make no mistake, this story really, really isn't all about us becoming like David, but there's some truth to that. No doubt, I've been preaching that for 40 minutes. But this story is less about us becoming like David. Listen carefully. And it's more about us needing a savior like David who will save us from our enemies. And how many of y'all know we have a savior and his name is Jesus. Come on, y'all, the son of David. And like David, there's a whole message here. Two minutes. Like David, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Like David, Jesus was overlooked. Like David, Jesus was despised. Like David, Jesus did what no one else was willing to do. Jesus defeated death and he conquered the grave. No one else could ever do what Jesus Christ, the son of the living God did for you. He faced your giant. He defeated your sin. He defeated the death that you will die. Though you die, come on church, you will rise again because you got a greater David who came from his throne to the sheep pen of this world. Come on, he laid down his life like David who took care of sheep. How many of y'all know we have a savior who died for us, his sheep, so that we can become the children of the living God. Come on church, this isn't about us, it's about Jesus Christ, our champion, the one who went before us, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Come on, let's just lift our hands right now. We worship you, Jesus. Son of David, King of glory, the one who was and is and is to come. Come on, let's lift our hands, church. Everybody in this place right now, if you need a fresh touch, a fresh anointing from on high, a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, come on, reach up right now. Grab a hold of it symbolically by faith. Jesus, right now, your people, we're your sheep. We're here. We need you, God. We need you, Lord. So many in this place need you. And I pray right now that you would give us the courage in Christ to face what's facing us to defeat what is attempted in so many ways and so many times to defeat us. And Lord, right now I pray for a godly resolve in every person in this room to tolerate no longer the things that have been tormenting them. Holy Spirit of God, we thank you for your presence. You're here with us. The anointing of God is in this place you're here today and you say, Pastor Scott, that message was from me. I needed to hear that because I'm facing some stuff. And more than anything, I need to be reminded of Jesus. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. Just wave it right now. Just wave it at me. All in the, in the top, all across the bottom. Oh, Lord, like a mighty rushing wind. Like a mighty rushing wind. Come, Holy Spirit. We know you're here. Come right now. Strengthen us. 
empower your people. We come against every giant from the outside, every giant on the inside, anything and everything that seeks to keep us on the sidelines. Come on, church, today we're getting in the game, aren't we? Let's get in the game. Jesus, in your name, we get in the game for the honor and the reputation of your name. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Come on, say it with me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Come on, say it with me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy, come on, begin to lift your voices. Worthy are you, God. Holy are you in this place. Holy, worthy are you. Come on, lift your voices, church. Holy are you, God. Worthy is your name. Great and greatly to be praised. Come on, lift your voices, church. Lift your voices. Cry out to the God who saves. Cry out to the God who delivers. Holy is your name. Holy is your name. Worthy is your name. Worthy, worthy, worthy. As we sit in the Lord's presence, he's given some of y'all a brand new perspective. Maybe just a renewed perspective, maybe one you had before, but you lost it. Some of y'all are getting it back right now. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And I pray today Christ has been preached and proclaimed in this place to give you such hope that no matter what you face, you're filled with confidence in him. If you're here today and you're struggling with cancer in your body, but everybody put your hands down. If you're here and you have cancer in your body, I want you to lift lift your hand right now. Raise it. Is there anyone here you're struggling with cancer in your body? Is there anybody here? Okay. Raise your hand if you have a loved one who has cancer. You see your hands? Raise your hand if there's sickness in your family right now. Chronic back pain. You know, one of the aims of the devil is to cripple us. Not just instill fear within us, but to cripple us. If you've never had back pain, if you've never been in pain, then you just don't understand fully. But right now, as brothers and sisters, I want you, keep your hand up if, you, if you're dealing with some kind of sickness, whatever it is. Look around, look around, brothers and sisters. Look, look around at those struggling. Right now, I want you to stretch your hand to them right now. Just stretch your hand towards someone with their hand lifted. God Almighty, we pray. We pray for healing right now. God, we pray in Jesus' name for that awfully scary, horrible-looking giant to come to the ground. Jesus, we pray for your healing virtue and your healing power in this place. We pray right now for the anointing of God to break every yoke, to set the captives free. And Jesus, we pray that you would do for them what only you can do because Jesus, truly, you are our champion. And so we pray these things, Jesus, in your incredible name and all of O-Town said with one voice.
Amen and amen.